Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We've been talking about the Ten Commandments over the last three weeks, covering the first three, and today we're going to cover number four. That's kind of how it works, right? And uh, we're going to talk today about uh, a very important topic that is sometimes the one that is least dealt with out of these Ten Commandments. Uh, You don't hear as much talked about, even in churches, about this idea. And we're going to talk today about a Sabbath idea. But before we do that, I I want to give you a little uh, quiz, see if you can figure out something for me. I'm going to ask you to read something. And it's on the screen, and so I want you to be able to read this. Now, what makes that difficult? Spaces, punctuation, right? Some of you are figuring it out, I know. Now, it's supposed to look like this. Makes a little bit of difference, right? Now, go back to the slide before that. This is how all writing was done before the 9th century A.D. All writing was done that way. In fact, if you were to somehow get your hands on an original copy of the New Testament books, they would be written like this, except in Greek. They're not in English, right? They're in Greek like this. And what they discovered was it was very difficult to read. Now, can you imagine, those of you that are in school or you like to read, picking up a book and having to read the book like this? Now, you could figure it out. Some of you had gotten pretty far down the list of figuring out what it said, But it's more difficult, right? What it teaches us when we go to the second slide is the importance of little things like punctuation and space. Now, here's what that has to do with anything. In the world in which we live today, many of us are trying to live our lives like that first slide. All jumbled up, everything put together, no spaces anywhere to kind of stop and understand what's going on. And life is much harder to live without some space, without some distance, without some rest in the middle of it. Exodus chapter 20 says this in verse 8, Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let me tell you one of the things that I believe about our world is that it is becoming increasingly difficult to find space in life. Do you realize that we are living in what they are calling exponential growth time? What they mean by exponential growth is that for the history of humanity, life has grown at a pretty steady pace. And over the last 100 years, things have just accelerated. For instance, anybody have a clue when the world reached a billion in population? Where are we now? Anybody know how many there are people in the world now? Six and a half billion, somewhere towards seven billion. Anybody know when the first, we reached a billion for the first time? 1,800, all right? 
So just think about this. From the time of Adam and Eve until 1800, we grew to a billion people. Thousands of years, right? We reached 2 billion in 1930, 3 billion in 1960, 4 billion in 1975, 5 billion in 1987, and 6 billion in 1998. It's just grown quickly. Life expectancy. When Jesus was alive, the life expectancy was 21 years old. How many in here are over 21? Yeah. Except for right here, that's most of us, right? Well, we would have outlived our life expectancy. That was all that way to 1955, it was 48 years. So it didn't grow, it doubled in 2,000 years. 65 in 1995 and 85 by 2050 is the estimate. Now here's the thing. We live in a world that has become increasingly loaded with information. It's rapidly changing. Stuff's happening all the time. Uh, We go to bed with information coming into our brains. We wake up with information coming into our brains. It's all over the place. Do you realize in the last 10 years, information has almost quadrupled? Listen to this. In 2000, 10 years ago, there were 12,000 active blogs. Everybody knows what a blog is. Web blog, you can get on, all right? Today, there are over 145 million. In 2000, on a daily basis, 100 million searches were on Google. Today, it's 2 billion. The books published have grown from 282,000 to over a million this year. Emails. In 2000, there were 12 billion daily emails. Today, there are 247 billion daily emails, 90% of which are spam. Text messages. Average a day in 2,000, 400,000. Our youth group now does 4.5 billion a day. No, it's, it's literally they say that there are as many text messages every day as there are people on the planet. And the average teenager in America averages 80 text messages a day. 80 text messages a day. That comes out to roughly 2,500 a month. You want to do the math there? 30,000 a year. All right? Everybody got unlimited text messages on your plans? Right? Uh, Here's some interesting things about uh, video content. In two months, YouTube has more video uploaded to their site than if ABC, CBS, and NBC had been running new content from the day ABC was born in 1948. In two months, more content than in 62 straight years. In a month. ABC, NBC, CBS have about 11 million people, different people that go to watch one of them. In a month, MySpace, YouTube, and Facebook have 250 million. The world has changed. And what I have come to understand is I've got more stuff now than I've ever had. I fall asleep each night with my phone 
laying beside the bed. You know the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning? Pick up the phone, check messages, Twitter, and Facebook. First thing I do. Several times during the day, I will check. Here's how my news gathering has happened. I've gone from watching the news on TV, which I never watch the news on television anymore. I used to get it through the Internet. I would get on and look up at CNN, USA Today, Tennessean. I don't even do that anymore. Now the only place I get news is on Twitter because I just look at what everybody links to and do that real quickly. I've got tons of information coming in, but I've got very little space in my life. All of us are accessible 24 hours a day, at least most of us. In fact, the other day we were driving back from uh, from the beach. We've been at the beach for a week, had a little vacation. And we were driving back from the beach, and we could not get Susan's dad. His phone was off for like seven hours. I mean, it was like years we couldn't get in touch with him, right? Because you do not leave your phone off for that amount of time. We just don't. Remember the days when you used to have to go into your house and actually check the messages to see what you had missed, right? We've got a blinking light. That means we got some messages. We're accessible. But here's what's happened. As we've gotten all that stuff, we've missed out on the opportunity to bring that space into our lives. As we've jumbled together all this stuff, We've missed out on sacred space in our existence. Our lives have become like a Fibonacci sequence. Now, I know you already know what a Fibonacci sequence is, but I'll just tell you anyways, all right? Patricia York does. She's the, right, you know what it is. You take a number, you add the next number in the sequence. So you put one and one. One plus one is, good job. One plus one is two, right? So then the next number is 2, 2 plus 1 is 3, 3 plus 2 is 5, 5 plus 2 is 8, 8 plus 5 is 13, 13 plus 8 is 21, 21 plus 13 is 34, and you just keep going, all right? And what's happened in our lives is we just keep adding stuff in, and we don't take stuff away, and before long we are pressurized to the point that we don't have any margin in our lives, any space. I saw the other day they gave the average amount of time Americans spend doing activities. And it added up to 27 hours a day. Now, there's a problem with that, right? There's only 24 hours in the day. Now, that, that some of that's probably true because of this thing we call multitasking, right? And so we can do that. But I know where people are lying on that. We're going to get to lying a little bit later in the Ten Commandments. But I know where they're lying. It's on that amount you sleep. Right? Because everybody knows what the doctors say we ought to sleep, and so they make sure they put that in. But if you add the numbers up as Americans, we're using 28, 27 to 28 hours in a day. God looks at the Israelites and he says this to them. If you're going to live for me, if you're going to live like I've called you to live, he tells them in the first commandment, make sure you have no other gods. Make sure you don't make any images. Make sure you use my name properly, that you're not using it advantageously or using it leisurely or using it flippantly. And then he says, and make sure you set aside space in your life. You set aside rest and recovery and moments of reflection in your life. We had a great week of vacation. Just a great week. Ran into several people from the church while we were down there. 
was in Walgreens. I was going in there to pick up something real quick. As I'm going to the checkout, I think, man, that guy looks exactly like Jimbo State. And that could be Jimbo's brother. When I got up to the checkout, it wasn't Jimbo's brother. It was Jimbo, right? And so saw Jimbo, saw the Yates, Steve Yates and his family uh, out to eat the next night. Just, you know, we saw people. We had a great week. But here's what I loved about the week. On several of the afternoons, uh, when it was 85 degrees and sunny, we would go down to the beach, and then we would come up to the pool. And there would be moments in that time when I was in the pool with my three children, and I didn't have to think or worry about anything else. Maddie absolutely loves the pool. She thinks of it as a large, heated bathtub, right? So she splashes, she's laughing, she's getting it all over her face. She's just loving it. Eli's at the point where he's learned, he's become a pretty good swimmer. He wants me throwing things to the bottom so he can dive down and get them. He's making friends. He's uh, just having a great time. We played a game, uh, a Frisbee golf variation with one of Maddie's toys. Had a great time. Luke is just learning to swim. He, he likes to be a part and to hold on and to swim around with me. And it was just unbelievable to just have time to enjoy each other. Just to have that space. You know the reason? is because we don't have that space in life. Our average day, and I'm sure some of you are like this, our average day starts um, early. Right? Eli has, we have to leave the house before 7 o'clock to get Eli to school. So on most days, let's just take a Tuesday, for example. I get up at 6 o'clock, 6.15. I get up. I get some breakfast. I get Eli ready. I get myself ready. I get him lunch packed. Uh, Susan's making sure Matt, Maddie has been up, you know, 812 times during the night or whatever. We're making sure everybody's good there. Luke's still sleeping in, hopefully, if he doesn't wake up. If he gets up, then I just put him with his pajamas in. I take Eli to school. Um, if Luke's not with me, then I go and uh, try to work out for about 20 or 30 minutes. Come home. We get Luke ready for Mother's Day out. Uh, I leave, take Luke to Mother's Day out, come to work. I work uh, all morning, usually have something I go to lunch to. I get through with that. I go help. Uh, get Eli or Luke if we have to do that in the afternoon, if Maddie's taking a nap or if something's going on, get through, go home for supper. We get supper ready. We get homework done. We get all that cleaned up. We get stuff picked up. We get things ready for the thing. And it's 8.15 at night. We try to get everybody to bed. We get the three kids to bed. Uh, so it's now 10.45 at night, right? And we get all three kids to bed. It's 9 o'clock at night. And I sit down usually about 9.15 and just breathe and then figure out what in the world do I have to do before I go to bed. And guess what? At 6 o'clock the next morning, it starts all over. And then we come to Saturday, and Saturday is, you know, a day when you don't have anything to do except, well, the car's got a flat tire, and the yard's got to be mowed, and we've got to go get something here, and we've got to go to the grocery, and we've got to go, there, you know. And you don't take our three kids to the grocery by yourself at any time unless you're just glutton for punishment, right? And so life just becomes this mash. And you read a commandment like, Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. I think, what in the world does that have to say to me? I feel sometimes like the Red Queen in Alice in Wonderland that said this, Here you see it takes all the running you can do to keep in the same place. If you want to get somewhere else, you must run at least twice as fast as that. God wanted the Israelites to understand very clearly from the beginning of their existence that if they were going to be a nation that sought after Him and lived what He called them to live, 
they were going to have to build space and margin into their lives. The first thing he tells them is simply this, to remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. Now, the word remember there means more than just to call to mind. In the original language, it means more than just, oh yeah, today is the Sabbath. It's kind of like what it would mean if Susan said to me, I think you should remember our anniversary. Our anniversary is July 25th. And so if I woke up on July 25th and Susan said, hey, do you know what today is? Oh yeah, it's our anniversary. And then did nothing else the rest of the day? Is that remembering our anniversary? Ladies, her birthday is September the 8th. Nine, it's easy for me to remember because her birthday is 9876. All right? God did that for me. I appreciate that. All right? So 9876. And so her birthday, she wakes up. It's her birthday. Hey, today's your birthday. And then nothing else. Is that going to work? No. When I say I need to, when she says to me, you need to remember my birthday, it means you need to bring it to mind and you need to take action on what that brings to your mind. Right? What she's saying is, I need to do something. What God is saying here is, you need to remember the Sabbath. Not just wake up and go, oh, today's the Sabbath today. Now, let me ask you a question. For the Israelites, when was the Sabbath? When did it start? Friday at sundown. Okay? So it went Friday at sundown till Saturday at sundown, and that was their Sabbath. When the sun went down on Friday, everything stopped. And when it came back up on Sunday, life began again. Now, the point of all that is to say that they had to build into their lives this space. And they were to remember the Sabbath. Now, why were they to remember the Sabbath? A couple of reasons. One was it was to remind them of God and His blessings. Now, where's the first time we see somebody rest on the seventh day? In creation, right? God creates on the six days. On the first day, He creates, and it's good. Second day, good. Third day, good. Fourth day, good. Fifth day, good. Sixth day, very good. And on the seventh day, He rested. Now, why did He rest? Was He tired? No. Contrary to what Luke thought a couple of weeks ago when he just looked at me at the uh, dinner table and said, Daddy, God has got to be tired. I said, well, why is that? Because He made everything. God wasn't tired, so why in the world did he rest on the seventh day? Here's my understanding of it. God rested for enjoyment. He sat back and noticed what he had done and enjoyed creation. What that tells us as people today is it's okay to sit back and enjoy life. Now, It's not okay to sit back and enjoy life seven days out of the week. Right? How many days does he say we should work? So how many days should kids go to school? Teacher. I'm not asking teachers. I'm asking parents, Bill. (laughs) Teachers say two and a half, right? We get paid for five. Here's the thing. Six days we work. On one day out of the week, we take a moment to step back and enjoy. 
Now, we're going to talk in just a minute what we do in that. But the point here is he wants them to understand that he sat back and enjoyed Now, here's the second reason he wanted them to kind of um, remember the Sabbath. One, just because it was his creation. But he tells us here, and in Deuteronomy, it gives us the point that he is wanting them to remember what he has done for them. Right before this, he gives them an illustration. He gives them the manna. You remember the manna, the bread that fell from heaven or whatever it was that fell from heaven? And how many days did it fall from heaven? It fell from heaven six days, right? And on the sixth day, they were to collect double so that it was provided on the seventh. And it was a constant reminder that God would provide for them on a daily basis. And the Sabbath or the sixth day was a reminder that God would provide even when we don't understand how or when it's going to come from. And the Sabbath is to be a day to remind us that God is taking care of things you and I are not. Friday afternoon, we drove back in. Friday night, actually, we drove back into Goodlettsville. And here was the amazing thing. I had been gone from Goodlettsville for a full week. And when I drove back in, all the restaurants were still open. All the stores were still open. Everything was happening. It was as if Goodlettsville did not even know I was out of town for the week. Right? Now, except for, that was a great illustration, so I went to Jack at the Box today for breakfast, and it was closed. Yeah, thanks, Jack. I appreciate that. But everything just went normal. Right? It wasn't like, I mean, y'all had church last Sunday. You know, one of the things that I'm thankful for for our staff is, Coates able to step in and to preach on Sundays. Alan did a great job on Wednesday night. And so it's everything just kept going. And it reminds you sometimes when you drive back into your home that the universe is not dependent on you. Right? And what God wants us to realize in the Sabbath is it's not dependent on us. Now, Jesus also reinterpreted the Sabbath when he came. You know, there are were, were six occasions in the New Testament when Jesus uh, breaks a Sabbath rule. One time he's picking grain so they can eat, and the other times he's healing people. And what he says there is, listen, this is not some rule made out there that you have to follow just to follow. It was made for us. And so we're to remember the Sabbath because it reminds us of God. We're to remember it because it reminds us that God's in control. And we are to remember it because it is needed by us. Do you realize that in the French Revolution, I know that's what y'all were thinking about this morning. In the French Revolution, one of the things they tried to do was to make a 10-day work week. They weren't going to allow six, they didn't want a six-day work week. They wanted a 10-day, and on the 11th day, you were off. You know what happened? People got sick. People got diseases. They got run down very quickly. Our bodies cannot handle doing stuff over and over and over again. We know that on a daily basis. I mean, we can talk about how we can go without sleep, but you know how you feel when you don't get enough sleep. And you know how you are when sleep just isn't there. If you want to know how well you can survive without sleep, talk to the parent of a newborn. Right? I mean, you know how it feels. Talk to somebody that's pulled an all-nighter. There have been a couple of times at, a, at seminary when I've, because of assignments that are given and changes that have been made, when I've had to stay up way late. And I am much too old to be pulling all-nighters anymore. And when you go to class the next day, it is just torture. 
we know we need that on a regular basis, but what we don't see is when we need it over week-long, month-long periods. We have got to have space in our lives or we get run down way too easily. He says in verse 8, Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Now here's the second thing I want you to Not only are we just supposed to remember it, but we are to relish in it. We are to enjoy it. We are to love it. We are to look forward to it. I want to give you three reasons to enjoy it. Uh, and the first is this. is because it does give margin. It gives those spaces in our lives. It gives the punctuation. It gives the ability for us to discern what's happening. When we take a moment, we can spend time reflecting. We'll talk about that in one minute. So he gives margin. Here's the second thing. It gives refreshment. Now, there are two parts to that refreshment. And the first is this. It gives us actual rest. It is okay to go take a nap every now and then. Amen? I mean, in fact, and I've said this before, for some of you in this room, the most spiritual thing you could do this afternoon is to go sleep. All right? You've run yourself ragged. It's time to take a nap. Go home. Titans don't play till 3.15, right? Amen? Go to bed. DVR the Titans. Come to church tonight. Go home and watch it, right? So rest. Sometimes you need to just rest. Let me tell you, husbands and wives, here's one of the things that you can give to your spouse that is very meaningful. Give them the ability to have guilt-free rest. Not the, well, if you need to take a nap, go ahead. we got a lot to do. Guilt-free rest. Just to go take a nap. Just to enjoy it. All right? It's okay if the yard doesn't get mowed right now. Now, like I said, that doesn't mean you nap eight days in a row. Well, the pastor said I had to rest, and I can't get out there and mow today. All right? But every once in a while, when I was in college, Sunday afternoon was my rest time. And I would go home, I'd put on a NASCAR race, and would be asleep in about a minute and a half, all right? Get in the recliner and go out, wake up when the race was about over, and that was my that was my day, all right? Now, Sunday is not my rest day. I'm up earlier on Sunday than any other day of the week. I'm up way before 6 o'clock, usually on Sunday mornings. I'm here uh, preaching at 8.30. Well, not at 8.30. I don't preach for an hour and a half, but, you know, preaching in the 8.30 service, preaching now. Uh, I get home. Usually we, we go get something to eat or we've got something at home to eat. We clean up the dishes. The kids get them to where they can rest for a minute, which none of them, you know. You th- naps are one of those things that catches my kids by surprise every time we try to do it. It happens every day. Well, you can't get them to nap. So then I'm back up here at 4 o'clock for a meeting. Got to training tonight. Get back home about 7, 30, 8 o'clock. Get everybody ready for, you know. Sunday is not my rest day. Now, for many of you, it is, and that's great. So I have to find other times during the week to rest. So one part of giving refreshment is to rest. The other part of giving refreshment is to do recreation, to do something you enjoy that is stress-free. For me, one of the things I enjoy doing is golf. One of the reasons I love golf is because I'm not good enough to care how good I am. And so I could go shoot an 85 or an 87. I actually shot the lowest score of my life in Destin, an 87. Shoot an 87 and have a great time. And I can shoot a 107 and have a great time. 
because I'm just not good enough to care how good I am. Now, for some of you, that's not something you would ever want to do. We're made differently, so you find those things that are recreational for you. I said this in the first service. A couple of weeks ago, Coat went hiking, went up into the mountains, uh, told us he'd be back if he wasn't back by a certain time to go find him, all right? He went with some friends, and he went, that is not my idea of recreational Sabbath rest, all right? My idea of recreational Sabbath rest is a condo on the beach in Destin, Florida, all right? So it's just different. But for Coat, that's how he's made. Um, Some of you in here enjoy playing sports. Some of you enjoy doing things with your family. Some of you enjoy uh, sewing or or doing stuff on the computer or working on a car or working on a lawnmower. Whatever it is, you find it and you do that. Now, here's what I would advise for you as families. Find things you can do as a family that you enjoy on a regular basis. It gives refreshment. And here's the last thing. It gives opportunity. It gives you opportunity. When God says, remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy, what He wanted the Israelites to realize is there are opportunities that come with a Sabbath rest. And there are three things here uh, under this thing going to be on the screen, so you just have to write them down. First of all, it gives us an opportunity for mercy. I mentioned that Jesus broke the Sabbath laws, according to uh, people there, for several times. And almost every time, all but one, it was for healing or some act of mercy. And so what you need to do is in developing a Sabbath understanding of what God calls you to do is to work mercy into what you're doing. So in other words, figure out ways as a family to serve together. Figure out ways as a family to help other people together. Figure out ways to do things for others in your Sabbath rest. Sometimes some of the most uh, invigorating parts of my life have been helping other people. Just giving myself in mercy. It also gives time for reflection. I said this in the first service, and it just kind of hit me as I was saying it. We have become a society that reacts that doesn't reflect. If you turn on the news this afternoon, tomorrow night, the week ahead, everybody is reacting to whatever's happening and predicting what will go on. Very few are reflecting on what's happening. And over and over again in Scripture, you see God telling people to reflect on what He's done. When was the last time you honestly just sat down without the TV on or your phone by your side or the computer turned on and you just reflected on what God has done? Now, I'm not talking about 18 hours of solitude. I'm just talking about 30 minutes of reflection. When was the last time you did that? And here's the last thing that it gives the opportunity for is worship. It tells us here in verse 8, remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. That means sacred. Whatever else you do on your Sabbath, whether you recreate, whether you refresh, whether you rest, whether you realize and reflect, whatever else you do, you should spend time in worship. Now, that does not mean just walking into this place for two and a half hours on a Sunday morning. That does not meet your weekly requirements for a Sabbath. It doesn't mean that you can check off the box that says, well, I've done what I've done. But coming here and being a part of a corporate event does matter. Because the truth is, and we were in staffing a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about some things, and a 
one of them shared, one of us shared that, that somebody had told them one time that someone that will easily give up corporate worship is not doing it in their private lives either. And so this is an important time. But don't think in walking in this building you've somehow fulfilled your Sabbath requirement. It's not a ritualistic thing. It is a moment for you to come and to worship and celebrate the Lord. John Ortberg is one of my favorite authors. And in a book he wrote called The Life You've Always Wanted, he talks about the best piece of advice he ever got from a mentor. He said he went to him, he was a new guy in ministry, and he said, I need to know the top tip you give to young ministers. I'm trying to collect these. What's your top tip? And he said to him, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. One of the ways that I can tell when my life is sped up too much and I haven't built margin is when I'm constantly looking to the next thing. Trying to speed up what's happening now. Some of you have been doing that for a while thinking about lunch. I know. You're constantly trying to speed up. And what God intends for us is to take moments out of each week when we just sit and reflect and interact with Him. Now, for some of you in this room, this out of the ten will be the most difficult commandment to be faithful to. Because it requires almost daily planning and time to just get away. And the question I have for you is, what is happening in your life right now that is preventing you from slowing down and enjoying the Sabbath rest that God intends for you to have?